Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted, with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Oh, that was a little interesting end off. <laughs> Hi, Mark Cushing. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting's Unleash Your Story. We're so grateful to have you here today. Great to be here. Appreciate the chance to talk to you, Ben. But it's wonderful to have you here today, and I'm really excited to have you talk about your new book, and uh, Pet Nation, and you're an advocate for pets, and, and we do need that. I mean, our pets are our greatest family members in our household, and we're so grateful to have them. Um, but I'd love for you to share, how did you come to doing this, side of, this kind of work and creating your company? You're the CEO and partner, founding partner of the Animal Policy Group. How did that come about? Uh, happy to share it and, and, and really need to make it clear to your audience, you know, full disclosure, um, you know, what I'm calling advocate for pets. I'm a lawyer, so I'm an advocate all the time. But uh, what I do is I represent really the largest companies across the span that are involved with pet, from veterinary to nutrition to pharmaceuticals to retail uh, to veterinary colleges and the like. So it, that involves me promoting the ownership of pets and, and good care of pets. Um, and I was a, uh, a good old-fashioned business trial lawyer for the first 12 years of my career in Portland, Oregon. Loved doing it. Tried cases back when companies were willing to roll the dice with a jury in state or federal court and let the jury decide. And, and courtrooms are like my living room. I, I, I found that a lot of fun. And that world changed mm-hmm. um, at a time that I had uh, uh, played the leading, or leading role in getting someone elected governor. And suddenly companies wanted me to get involved in politics. And I avoided that as best I could. But then I got a chance to uh, run a national company that was very involved in the political world. And uh, that led me ultimately to the Vatican of politics, which is Washington, D.C., right? Uh, And I got a phone call in 2005 uh, in the airport up in Ottawa, Canada. I represented, as it happened, 
uh, a great many Canadian interests in, in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. and had an apartment in Montreal. And, and I was up there, you know, on a regular basis. And I was in Ottawa, got a phone call from the largest veterinary group still in the world, owned by Mars, the same company, you know, Mars Candy. But M- Mars is the largest player in veterinary and pet food in the world. Wow. Um, and it was called Banfield Pet Hospitals. And they were leading a coalition in the in the animal health industry to try to get a, a particular problem solved and, and not having any success. And I, I got a solution through Congress mm-hmm. and uh, they made the mistake of concluding that I was smart and effective. And mm-hmm. I thought I, I had a great time with it and, and had a good fee. And, and I was I was a partner in a large international law firm. And uh, I thought that would be the end of it and enjoyed it. And as success uh, tends to do, uh, rightly or, or, or uh, unintentionally, mm-hmm. it led to a lot of phone calls saying, hey, could you do this? Could you help us with that? And it turned out uh, two years later in 2008 now, I ended up realizing I had a full practice. I stayed in the law firm, um, mm-hmm. went back to Portland just for, for family reasons, but built a practice and five years ago this month in 2017, I, I, as I say, I took it private. I'd reached a point that uh, I didn't need the law firm overhead. And, I, and being a law firm in Portland didn't make any difference to my clients. Mm-hmm. And I was doing a lot more than just I wasn't doing traditional legal work, as you think of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, little did I know. I mean, I had a sense of it that the pet world was changing under my feet in, in, in a very uh, propitious way. Uh, and, and, and the interest in pets was surging in the country. Pets were going from a sideshow to kind of center stage in American culture and mm-hmm. society and, and pet ownership. And that uh, led me to expand. Now I have a team of eight uh, in my group and I have uh, a, a large, large group of clients. I mean, I, if, you t- if you looked at the pet industry as a, as a pie chart, mm-hmm. I have the leading companies and all the slices. So it's, it's, it's a complex, fun, fun business. I'm the only attorney in my group. And like I say, I, I don't, I'm not the lawyer for companies, but my legal training and skill and particularly my advocacy training as a trial lawyer uh, helps me. And I'm involved across the span of pets now, which wow. are, are now 110. And according to Morgan Stanley, it will be probably a $300 billion industry in just seven or eight years. So um, I, I enjoy uh, this year. We're talking at the end of January and, you know, five new clients in five weeks uh, just showing up, needing, you know, needing help and needing work. And, and it's uh, a lot of fun. So I in the, in the midst of all that, as you nicely pointed out, uh, I was uh, approached by an agent and ended up being uh, Penguin Random House uh, retained me to, to write Pet Nation, mm. the inside story of how companion animals transformed our culture, economy, and society, which is mm. true, uh, and homes. So it's it's been a good ride, and I'm obviously not done, but uh, yeah. have, have a lot of fun. Well, wh- why do you think it's changed so much? I mean, I remember having pets all through my childhood in Virginia, where I grew up. Yeah, sure. um, but it seems like even in cities, like every other person in New York were we're yeah. having pets. And no, even no. though it's a small apartment, why do you think it's been an uprising of people having pets in their life? It's been about a, a 20 to 30 year 
phenomenon. And it's, it's, it's really an order of magnitude change. I mean, it's, it's, it's a wholesale transformation, no less so than what this does. I mean, you know, the, the change in our life because we have this thing called a smartphone. And it, it started with the baby boomers in their childhood in many cases, but you had an image of pets portrayed in movies and television. Uh, you know, most, most famously, the greatest dog in, in the history of the world, Lassie. And you began to see pets, these amazing animals. They were heroic, brave, loyal, fun. You know, they, all they wanted to do was hang out with you and, and, and help you out and, and play. And then you saw them in cartoons. You saw them in commercials. Remember that when the Subaru and Nissan, still to me, one of the most brave and I'm sure at the time just such a radical idea that the CEO of those companies must have said to their advertising firms, I don't know what you're thinking, but remember this. They came out in the 90s with, and a lot of this happened in the 90s, uh, ads that featured a model of their car on a California coastal highway, window down, the golden retriever in the passenger seat. And all they did was show the dog smiling and the hair flowing in the wind. Yeah. Didn't tell you anything about the car. And I just picture the CEO seeing, you know, a multi-million dollar, you know, tens of million dollar investment in the next year's big commercials. Mm -hmm. And they're like, wait a second, you don't, you don't tell people anything mm -hmm. about the car. And their, their point was, yeah, that's right. All we want to show is a happy dog and your brand. That's all. We don't need to do anything else. And their sales spiked uh, and it, it began. So you, you had people see pets. They were kind of accessories. Veterinary medicine was clearly a step below um, human medicine in terms of how people valued it. Mm -hmm. And then you had the confluence of that with social media. Mm -hmm. And people with these devices became their own yeah. film editors, right? Their own producers. Yeah. And every day, you know, it used to be babies, but now it's mm -hmm. just dogs and cats. I mean, just, you know, show me what your dog did yesterday. And I'll probably want to look at it. And I hope you show it to me tomorrow with, with something new. And underneath all this, Christina, is yeah. a scientific fact that used to be viewed as kind of a grandmother's folk wisdom theory rather than science. And now it's established as, as science, namely this. Engagement with a pet causes your oxytocin level to go up. Oxytocin is a source of joy and happiness and contentment and pleasure. And your cortisol level goes down, which is a source of tension and anxiety and, and stress. And it wasn't like people went to their doctor and learned that or they read it in, the, in a book at the yeah. library and raced out and bought a pet. But people began to discover that there was just a kind of a quantum change in their life if they were with pets. And mm -hmm. so pets had come inside, right? They went from the backyard, you know, as I say, into, on top of the bed. And what was, this, what was the significance of that is this. People were around their pets more often. He wasn't, he wouldn't come home, go outside, play fetch for 10 minutes, feed your dog and say, see you in the morning. I mean, they were with <laughs> yeah. and, and that led to what? It led to millennials hitting the scene, all having grown up in families with pets, maybe one dog, they got two dogs, maybe a dog and a cat, they got one more cat. Mm -hmm. And they decided they wanted to take their pets everywhere. And if you, if you, the physical change in the world is what? You mentioned Manhattan. You can't walk down the street. Of course, it's COVID. But in normal yeah. times, walking down Park Avenue or Fifth Avenue, there could be six Afghans, you know, as big as horses, 
mm. with you know a dog handler making maybe 150 to 200 a year yeah. walking these dogs and they're everywhere in new york i mean yeah. they're everywhere every they're in you know right outside restaurants they're in hotels or in hospitals mm-hmm. um, and so all those changes began uh, the two most prominent that, that your audience will appreciate and all have experiences of is first was um, hospitals yeah. 25 years ago, you see a dog in a hospital and somebody's chasing that dog outside. Basically yeah. saying, get out of here. What, what, mm-hmm. Today, you won't find a hospital without animal-assisted therapy dogs. They're actually part of the treatment. Mm-hmm. Who can imagine? Hotels, uh, Kempton Group's a great example, a terrific uh, high-end, hip, luxury hotel chain. A chain doesn't sound right, but, but they're amazing hotels. Yeah. And they now have floors reserved for non-pet owners. Now, in other words, it's so flipped that where you yeah. couldn't take a dog to a hotel 30 years ago, now it's like, all right, you know, you can go on the sixth floor uh-huh. on the West Wing and there's there's no pets. Don't worry. But everywhere else, trust me, in this hotel, pets are running not wild, but they're basically, you know, guests on the same status as people. So I love it. And now tell me, what has your your firm done to advocate for pets? Like, what are some of the things that come up that people yeah. need help with? Well, uh, so one of the things I've done is, um, is, is protect the economic interest of the industry. So let me, let me be blunt about that. Uh, you know, I get, I'm a hired gun, um, you know, in, in, a, in, in a real sense, I was always that as a lawyer and I don't, and I, I enjoy that moniker. It sounds ominous, but it's just, I get hired to get something done. So number one thing is just protect the economic interests of the industry. For instance, there's a thousand year old rule that treats uh, pets or animals as property, mm. personal property, like a chair, like this uh, bottle of water, um, which means that the multi-million dollar damage awards in human healthcare for alleged negligence or malpractice, where they have what are called non-economic damages, the emotional loss. You know, and, and, and a jury just has the freedom in many states just to write a number, whatever that number could be. Um, pets, you, if you want to sue a veterinarian or you want to sue a pharmaceutical company or, or a pet food company, it's what would the pet cost you? What was your medical bills? You're mm-hmm. talking about maybe two, three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. Well, the plaintiff's lawyer, that part of the bar that get out of bed in the morning for a 33% interest in an asbestos case, in a gun control case, in an opioid or tobacco. I mean, we can just think of all the issues over the last 20 years driven by plaintiff's um, injury lawyers who get massive fees because a third of, of a billion dollars is, is a pretty good paycheck, right? They don't get out of bed for a third of $3,000 to spend two years slugging it out. Um, so I've lobbied and my group lobbies, so I've lobbied, you know, not by myself, but I've been one of the principal lobbyists for 15 years in States where people want to challenge that rule. Uh, that's, that's an example. Another good example is, is removing barriers to pet ownership. So my group did a study in 2015. It will surprise you. Um, uh, particularly Dallas, Texas, you know, you don't live in Dallas, but you live in Texas. Uh, cities like uh, Austin that, that, that people think are pet crazy had had some of the lowest percentage of pet friendly apartments in the country. Mm-hmm. And if you if you have if you can't take your pet to an apartment, uh, in many cases, you don't have a pet. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, 
other words, you, you, a millennial, a 26-year-old out in the, in, the, in the business world now, they don't want to live with their family, but they, their dog is everything to them. Their cat's everything to them. And so there's been a great, very successful push to, to educate, not just legislate, but educate developers. So today, if you go into Houston, if you look at any high-end millennial apartment, you know, whether it's downtown or, you know, yeah. not in River Oaks, but, you know, near River Oaks or, or... I can attest to that. Almost every apartment allows dogs, which is... Awesome. And, and you know why they do it? For good business reasons. Well, what do we know now? We did surveys and we showed this. One, they, they rent faster. They will pay more. They stay yeah. longer. There you go. Uh, mm -hmm. What more do you want? Okay. And so, exactly. so a lot of it's that. And so it's, it's protecting against, you know, invasive actions against the industry. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I, I've been very involved uh, during COVID. I co-founded co what would, you would know as the Veterinary Telemedicine Association. I'd written the first article in, in, back in 2015 and 16. I got involved in getting human telemedicine pulled into at least the spotlight for veterinarians to say there's no reason that veterinary care can't be delivered, not in every case, but that telemedicine could be a tool. And it's been fought by the establishment uh, from the start. So there was great resistance to it. And uh, I, with uh, a client, created a new group, the Veterinary Innovation Council. Texas A&M was a major partner of ours, uh, the vet school was, to just introduce and push the idea that there's nothing about telemedicine in the human space that really couldn't be transferred to the veterinary. Mm -hmm. And that five-year efforts led to a very successful trade association to now major companies that have um, created platforms to do that. And, and at a time now where people can't get in to see the vet because so many pets were acquired during the, the pandemic, mm -hmm. veterinarians have not had enough schools. They've had small class sizes. Another issue of mine. See, I take issues and probably if, if people look at me that know me well, they'll say, you, you basically get hired to change things or stop things, but mainly to change things and promote growth. Mm -hmm. And and because pets are good for people, we talked about that. That's generally called the human-animal bond. Yeah. There's also a thing called the social capital of pets. Mm -hmm. and, and it's the subject of a lot of studies now. It's not just a theory, which is what? That in a community, in a neighborhood, if you look at all the factors, school, churches, religion, sports, politics, throw that one out for sure. But what builds community makes people more comfortable, trust each other more, meet their neighbors, just feel more secure, like where they live? Number one factor, pets. It was a study in Perth, Australia on the Indian Ocean. We duplicated it in San Diego, Portland, Oregon, and Nashville. Same result. Yeah. Nashville, you'd think in the Bible Belt that churches would be the, and I'm not trying to be anti-religious here, but mm -hmm. in fact, the presence of pets. And what do pets do? And, and you know this, I'm sure, where you live. And if you're in Manhattan, you know this for sure. You can have a billionaire hedge fund mm -hmm. owner walking down the street and someone that just finished their shift at a restaurant, right? If they're walking their dog, they will greet each other. If they're mm -hmm. not walking their dog, they won't even make eye contact. And you know what they'll do for 15 minutes? They'll talk. They About won't the say, <laughs> what do you make? Where'd you go to college? What kind of car do you drive? Do uh -huh. you like Giants or Jets? They don't do any of that. What's your dog like to eat? What's she like to play with? What's your name her? Where'd you get her? Da, 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 da. I mean, yeah. and you know what? When they see each other again uh, a week later, they don't say, hi, Christina, nice to see you, because they probably don't even remember your name. They may never, may never remember your name, but how sparky. Yeah. Great. 
how's Spiff doing? You know, I mean, it's so there's this small d democratization, as I call it. So pets are kind of a common leveler. And mm-hmm. and and it's so my point being, why not promote ownership of pets? Well, I became very uh, well known and, and ridiculed six years ago. Now I, people say you were right. I don't ask them to admit that. I just I've just noticed the change. Yeah. I led a group that funded, I didn't lead the group, but I led the group's decision to fund research to determine one thing. People didn't really know where dogs, the, the total annual supply of dogs came from. What was that number we needed every year? It's about 8.3 million dogs. Well, Christina, you take any consumer product in this country, anyone, basketballs, cars, it doesn't matter what, computers, they know how many they need and they know exactly where they're coming from the next year. The pet industry had no clue. Mm. I began to get the sense that we were approaching a shortage of dogs, which made people go, wait a second. I watched Sarah McLaughlin commercials last night on cable and singing the same song. I mean, no, no, shelters are jam-packed. No, they're not. There are some. There are some in South Texas in particular, um, and I don't discount that. But there began to be a trend. I began to anecdotally pull this together, and it's a, a, a devoted chapter in the book to it. I call it the canine freedom trains. What began to happen was shelters in the south and southwest would send dogs up north to shelters, mm-hmm. and if you didn't go there by noon on Friday, there was no dog to adopt. When you go into a shelter in Chicago, in Portland, Seattle, Baltimore, you're not getting a stray that ran away from somebody's home in that city. No. If it's from the South, the dog has a drawl. You know, if it's if on the West Coast, the dog speaks Spanish. I'm kidding, but it's <laughs> in, you know, parts of Los Angeles. So, it, and I studied it and came up with uh, a figure that I said, you know what, we may be as much as 2 million dogs short. And you began to see prices change. Mm. You began to see shelters empty, and particularly major metropolitan shelters. Yeah. And I said to industry, you got to do something about this. You know, mm. I mean, think about that. I mean, where does this lead you? Yeah. Um, and, and so I've been very involved in the shortage issue and, and mm. how, to, how to make commercial breeding acceptable. There's a phrase called puppy mills. Yeah. Or you've seen it. It's, it's a wickedly brilliant epithet that basically implies that any commercial at scale breeder of dogs is running an inhumane, environmentally uh, degraded, unclean, inhumane, I mean, a, a, a poor treatment, poor conditions mm-hmm. for the dogs. And if you take commercial breeding off the table as a source of dogs, we're, we're going to get dogs from one place which is we do right now, that's the main source to, to fill the gap, which is from countries around the world mm-hmm. that aren't exactly nice neighborhoods mm-hmm. with no clues about the health condition, uh-huh. the diseases, or any kind of t- treatment. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I've been involved in trying to just change thinking about that issue and saying, let's find a way to have humane breeding standards, just like the coffee industry, create yeah. a fair trade. And when everybody was going after Starbucks and Pete's yeah. coffee and so forth, they went out and figured out how to certify that their sourcing was quote proper. That's awesome. Now I, I want everyone to find out how they can find out more about you, f- uh, get a copy of pet nation because we're about rounding up here. How okay. can they do that? Well, my, uh, markcushing.com is, is my author site. And, uh, okay. you'll see my happy puppy who's somewhere here. He's sleeping over there. Aww. I have, and I have three bingo cats, which anybody who has a bingo cat can't imagine you'd have three, but they're, 
they're Olympian cats that uh, wow. are, are, are so much fun. Um, also, uh, animalpolicygroup.com will tell you about my, my business group. And uh, you can get the book, audio, hard, uh, uh, paperback, hardcover through Amazon, of course, Barnes & Noble um, on, on, the, on the net. Or if, if anybody goes to a bookstore anymore, you'll see it there. So I appreciate your giving me a chance to talk about that. You betcha. I'm so grateful, Mark Cushing, for all you're doing and your team to really help pets and pet owners and, and be our voice. I, I really appreciate it. I know my dog, Henry, really appreciates it, too. Henry, good uh, to so meet you. <laughs> be nice to Christina, okay? Eat what she tells you to eat. Uh, yes, I get him Pet Plate, if you've ever heard of it. It's a wonderful group that uh, they work with veterinarians and nutritionists to yeah. give your pet really good food that's you know, keep them around for a long time, which is what we we're well, all hoping. Does it surprise you that, you know, that the millennials now want quality food for their pets like they do for themselves. So it's, uh, I was cooking for my dog, but you know, when yeah. I found out about this place, it, it's uh, fabulous. You're, you're serious. I've never, I've never signed up for that, but uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on your show, Christina. You betcha. Thank you so much, Mark, for coming to Savvy Broadcasting right. today. Have all a right. great day. Take care. Bye-bye. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to www.lifeunscriptedradio.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.